Walter Sports Bar is excited to welcome Nationals fans back to the ballpark this spring. Located directly across the street from Nationals Park, Walters is the preeminent sports bar in Navy Yard, boasting over 35 televisions, both indoors and out. Walters is a great location to catch the Nats all season long. Walters encourages all fans to check out coronavirus.dc.gov to get up-to-date information on current dining restrictions. Go Nats! The Nats are heading out on the road now for the next week, but Walters remains open, a great place to watch the game every night and hang out before, during, and after each game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now Alex Avila making his third start behind the plate. He's looking for his first hit. 0 for 6 in a Nationals uniform. And the first pitch swung on, line drive, left center field. On the run, Williams, it's by him and one hop off the bullpen fence. Bell around second on his way to third. He's going to be waved home. Here comes the relay to the plate. It's going to be offline. Bell scores, and the Nationals lead one to nothing. DeYoung off first, held by Bell. The set, the 2-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a fastball at 93. Their strikeout number nine, and Max Scherzer has six shutout innings in the books. And welcome to Nats Chat for Thursday, April 22nd, 2021, along with Nats insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Another win for the Nationals, a one nothing shutout of the Cardinals on what was a cold and windy day at Nats Park with plenty of shadows to deal with. Mark, have you warmed up yet, or are you still in need of like two or three blankets to get you nice and toasty? I am not warmed up yet, Al, and so apologies if, you know, my teeth are chattering throughout this entire podcast. And I just have to point out, Tim Shovers, our producer, has attended two games in person this year. They've been the two coldest games by far. He hasn't made it more than about five innings in either case. Al, we need you to come out here. You could be the good luck charm. You could bring the sunshine, the warmth. So can you make that happen? Well, I will be a workhorse. I will not be a five and dive guy where I'm out of there after, you know, three to five innings. Okay. I will give you the complete game. I will give you the nine innings. I will give you the Levon Hernandez like outing. Like I can't promise that I won't give up four or five runs. Okay. But I'm going to be out there for eight to nine innings for you. Okay. You can count on that. The workhorse. That's what I like. Yes. That's, that's what we need. That's what the Nats needed on Wednesday. And they got that. Max Scherzer was outstanding. Nats now find themselves seven and nine, including six and four since the one and five starred. And, you know, we do this Nats chat podcast, of course, after every Nats game. And so we get caught up in the rhythms of the season and kind of in a moment. It has not been a smooth start for the Nationals. And I think there are things to be very concerned about. But I tell you what, Mark, given all of the adversity the team has had to deal with, right, the COVID-19 absences, 
Soto and Strasburg being on the IL. Brutal schedule so far. Five blow-up starts over these first 16 games. The heavy usage of the bullpen. I would think Mike Rizzo in his heart of hearts is okay with 7-9 and nine through 16 games. With those things working against the Nats so far, the record could have been a lot worse than what it is now at 7-9. and nine. Absolutely. Think of it this way. If I told you on April 1st that the Nats were going to start out 7-9 and nine, and you didn't know any about how they were going to get there or what was going to be involved, you'd say, okay, that's kind of disappointing, but you know what? The schedule is tough. They just maybe got off to a little bit of a rough start. Maybe they weren't hitting a whole lot. Maybe the bullpen blew a couple of games. You say, all right, that's not great, but that's not disastrous. They haven't dug themselves into a hole. Now, if I tell you they went seven and nine, given all those factors and all those things that went wrong, you'd say, my God, that almost sounds like a miracle. You know, it does. And and they legitimately could be eight and eight or nine and seven. A couple of those games in the first week that were right there for the taking that they couldn't pull off. You know, I'm not trying to sound all sunshine and roses here because I agree there are significant issues that in the long run have to be addressed and have to be corrected for this team to ultimately get to where they want to go. But I think they have survived these first 16 games about as well as you could ask, all things considered. And I do think there are some reasons to be encouraged and believe that things are going to get better, especially as they start getting healthier. It's been so odd for so many reasons. We just highlighted a bunch of them. But the Jekyll and Hyde nature of just runs allowed by the Nats this year, it feels like, Mark, they either shut the team out or allow, you know, one run or two runs, or they give up like a 10 spot. Like, it it doesn't feel like there's a lot of in-between so far with the way these games have gone from a run prevention standpoint for the Nats. How many 4-3 games have they had so far? We need to look that up. (laughs) I don't think there have been any 4-3, 5-4. Just nothing has been simple. Nothing has just been a a standard run-of-the-mill game. You're right. It's either been amazingly good or amazingly awful. (laughs) They've been in a ton of these, like, scoreless 1-0 games. Two of the wins on this homestand were 1-0. That's not easy to do. I mean, you have to have everything go right for you from a pitching and defense standpoint. And I'll tell you, in this game despite a couple of frightening moments there where the bases were loaded for the Cardinals, these guys pitched exceptionally well, and it does show you what their path to victory could look like. And for the first time, and we're going to get to this, but for the first time in a long time, they're opening a season with a bullpen that looks to be pretty locked down. It's not perfect, but this is as good as they've looked early in a season in a long time. It is. And it's been nice to see the varsity bullpen out there for these last two games, two wins, and to see the varsity overall get the job done. Tanner Rainey had some hiccups there on Tuesday night, and things weren't necessarily clean on Wednesday, but ultimately three scoreless innings from that bullpen. But of course, the lead up to the bullpen involved the ace, Max Scherzer. And as unpredictable and as, you know, really bipolar the rest of the Nationals rotation has been, that's how good Max Scherzer has been. And I say that even with him having given up the four solo homers in the opening game for the Nats this season. Since then, especially, he's been outstanding. But even when you count that game, the overall numbers are still great. And another gem on Wednesday. Scherzer, very good for a third consecutive start. Six scoreless innings, nine strikeouts versus four hits, a double and three singles, a walk, and a hit by pitch. It did not start off in spectacular fashion. That is true. That scoreless top of the first was dicey. But as the game went on, as we have seen so many times, Max gets stronger. And as Max has done about a million times, He ends strongly, scoreless top of the six, strikes out Nolan Arenado for the second out, strikes out Dylan Carlson for the third out. That vintage Max Scherzer exclamation point on a very good outing. So two innings in, he's at 49 pitches and you're thinking, oh boy, they're going to be able to get five out of him. As efficient as Corbin was last night and got pulled six innings and 76 pitches, here was Scherzer almost at 50 through two. 
And you had to wonder, okay, how far can they push him today? Well, guess what? He went six and got up to 109 pitches. And you saw, I think, one of the real defining characteristics of him, even when things get a little dicey there, especially early in a game, he figures it out, he gets his way through it, and then he makes an adjustment. He felt like there were some adjustments he made after the second inning, some things with uh, mechanics and, and grip and pitch selection. And from that point on, just fabulous. I mean, 12 in a row, he retired. He gave up the one single in the sixth, but then came right back to strike out the next hitter and stalked off the mound, just like we've come to, to love from him. And okay, let's look back now. Remember how concerned we all were on opening day when he gave up those four early home runs? And I remember you saying to me, am I crazy or did he actually pitch well? And I said, no, I think you're right. He did pitch well, you know, aside from the homers, of, of course. But since those first three innings, when he gave up the, the, three, the four home runs, he's pitched 22 innings since then. He's given up only one run in those 22 innings. And that run came on the ball that Victor Robles lost in the sun in LA. He's got for the season a 1.80 ERA and a 33 to four strikeout to walk ratio. That is Cy Young ace Max Scherzer. And we all wondered, does he still have that in him? There's a long way to go. He's only, you know, four starts into this. But so far, he is giving us reason to believe that he still can be elite Max Scherzer. Yes, and let's consider three of the four teams he's faced so far this season, the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals. Three of the best teams, maybe the three best teams in the National League. He's not fattening up on, you know, the Rockies and, you know, the Marlins or something like that. Like, no, he's faced the big boys, as have the Nats. I mean, right, I mean, their schedule's been very difficult. But he's faced these guys head on. And right, like we've said, with the exception of the four homers, four solo homers given up in that first game, he's been locked down. I mean, there was so much to like about this outing. He has that perfect top of the third inning where he's facing the Cardinals numbers two through four batters. So, I mean, those are the three best hitters in most lineups, right? Numbers two through four gives you a one, two, three third, strikes out Paul Goldschmidt, strikes out Paul DeYoung. You know, he is where you want him to be. And, you know, I think about Max and... He had, you know, that 2019 season where he started to finally deal with some injuries. And in the second half of that season, he wasn't really himself. And, I, and I've kind of felt like since then, he's been a lesser max, right? He's been like a B-plus version of himself. Second half of 2019, into the postseason, and then last season. But I remember prior to all those injuries popping up in 2019, he was on fire. He was killing it. And this is kind of the max we've seen here so far this year. Like you said, we wondered if he could get back to that level. He's back at that level that we saw. It's amazing, right? Mid-30s, final season of the seven-year contract, but this is Cy Young-level Max Scherzer. Like, to those of you who've never met that Max, introducing Cy Young-level Max, that's what we're watching here so far this year. It is, and I think this is where we do have to, I, I know you've been reluctant to, you know, say, oh, 2020 didn't count, and therefore, uh, you know, we should view this year differently. Well, I think in his case, there's a little bit something there. He had a full off-season. He had a full spring training to build himself up and get ready for this. And I think there's some determination on his part of this also, not just the physical side of it, but he knows that he wants to finish out this contract on a high note and set himself up to make even more money after this year, whether it's here in DC or elsewhere. He wasn't just content winning the World Series in 19 and certainly wasn't content the way that last year went. So I see a guy who is very motivated right now to show he's still got a lot left in the tank and this was an important one because he had not been stretched out, you know, uh, above 90 pitches really yet. And he got to go to 109 and looked just perfectly fine at that point. There were no signs of fatigue. He was pulled after the six just because, hey, it's 109 pitches. You don't want to push it any farther on April 21st. But 
I mean, that's a good sign. And the fact that Davey is is willing to let him go there now, I think you're going to see that now consistently from him. And by all counts, this should be the normal Max Scherzer the rest of the way. He's not going to be perfect. He's going to have games that he's not great at. But he looks as much like, you know, peak Max Scherzer as we've seen here in quite some time. Hey, everyone, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that baseball is back. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you've never bet on baseball before, now is the perfect time to give that a shot because FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Yes, and once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back Each day, if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short, this way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same-game parlay and always-on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Nats have an off day on Thursday, so if you're looking for a baseball game to wager on to fill the void, check out Dodgers-Padres as they renew their rivalry Thursday night. The ace of the Dodgers, Walker Bueller, on the mound. The money, you would think, should be on L.A. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hudson has the signs. Coming set. Bases loaded, two out in the 1-0 pitch. Hit in the air to deep right. Stevenson going back. He's there and he makes the catch for the out to retire the side. And maybe the wind was a help there as Stevenson only had to go back a couple of steps to snare the line drive to retire the side. Very nice to see, again, the A bullpen, the varsity bullpen come in and ultimately get the job done. Tanner Rainey, Daniel Hudson, Brad Hand combine for three scoreless innings. Hudson has some issues in a scoreless eighth inning. Loads the bases, gives up a two-out walk of Nolan Arenado, a two-out full count single to Paul DeYoung, despite him having been down to the count at 1.12, and then a two-out full count walk of Dylan Carlson. But Hudson does escape unscathed. Hand gives you the scoreless ninth. I know for me, the big takeaway was Rainey, that you know here's a guy who has not looked good so far. He's been spotty so far. He was shaky the previous night. And Rainey gives his scoreless top of the seventh. Now, he does give up a double. That's true. So, I mean, it wasn't totally perfect with two outs. But he gets the three outs in the inning via the strikeout. And that's what Rainey was so great at last year. Matt Carpenter, Justin Williams, and a pinch hitting Austin Dean all going down. That, to me, was encouraging to see Rainey look as he looked on Wednesday. That, I thought, was his best outing we've seen so far. And you say the double. It was a line drive single to center field that Victor Robles kind of took a bad angle on and it got past him and turned into a double. Other than that, I thought he looked fantastic. To be able to do that the day after he pitched and gave up you know, a couple runs, I thought was encouraging. You know, Davey kept saying he just needs to pitch. And, and we're starting to see, you know, that may have been the case. I still worry with him a little bit because even as he throws hard, he does tend to throw it right down the pipe at times, but his slider was on point in this game. And that's, that's his big out pitch when he gets ahead in the count. And so I thought that was significant. And then Daniel Hudson, he was on fumes by the end of the eighth inning. He got to a point where, I mean, he threw 31 pitches in that inning after throwing 15 the night before. And, oh, I don't know, around pitch 23, 25 or so, you could just see it in his body language that he was running out of gas there. And I thought if ever there's a time, I mean, I'm not a big fan of this in April, but if ever there's a time to say, bring in the closer and go for the four out save, especially with Matt Carpenter, the lefty coming up with the bases loaded, I thought that would have been the time to do it with Brad Hand. But it was not Hand who was warming. It was Kyle Finnegan in case things got totally out of control. But Davey Martinez said that was Hudson's inning to finish, or at least the chance to preserve the lead. If he blew it, then they were going to make the move. He stuck with him. Hudson said, he just had to rely on his fastball at that point because he didn't have a good grip today. He wasn't feeling the slider. I think a lot of guys were struggling with the cold and the wind and couldn't get a good grip and it affected their breaking balls. He gutted it out. He got the out and you could just see almost that like hunched over 
exhale sigh of relief when he got through that inning. He's earned a, a day off on Thursday, as the rest of the team will have, and maybe Friday as well, because that was a uh, a high leverage, high intensity appearance for him. Yeah, no doubt. And he's an older pitcher. It's funny, when the Nats got him via trade a couple of years ago, one of the things he'd really built his reputation on, certainly that season, was as a fireman. He was excellent that season with Toronto when it came to inherited runners and not allowing them to score. So I don't know, maybe he needed to set up that scenario for himself, even though it's not inherited runners when you're the one putting them on the bases. But yeah, he does escape. He was on fumes. And, and for those who watched the game on TV, FP was talking about this. I mean, FP was speculating that something was wrong with Hudson, that he was like injured or something like that, just because of the way he looked, you know, in, in trying to finish his pitches and things like that. But he does get out of the inning and uh, Brad Hand comes on. And, you know, you brought up like this is as bad as good as we've seen a Nats bullpen look early in a season in a while. We've talked about how this could very well be the deepest bullpen the Nats have had in a while. You know, time will tell on something like that. But to see the formula so clearly here, like this is what Davey's trying to set up. Rainey in the seventh, Hudson in the eighth, Hand in the ninth. And while Rainey has been spotty to an extent, and Hudson obviously hasn't been perfect, so far overall, especially Hudson in hand, they're getting the job done. Like, it's nice to sort of have that established here early in this season, that these are your A guys, we trust these guys, and at least so far, they're doing a nice job. Yeah, they haven't lost a game yet because of a, a late-inning bullpen meltdown that I, I'm remembering. I don't think there's been one. They've, they've maybe given up a lead but come back to win. And, you know, no bullpen's going to be perfect, but that's about as reliable as it's going to get right now. And again, they're doing it without Will Harris, who's still working his way back from his injury. They're doing it without Wander Suero, everyday Wander, who is um, going to be out for a little while with the oblique. They're doing it without Jeremy Jeffers, who we thought early in spring training was going to be a big part of the bullpen and uh, isn't even in the organization anymore. So given what we've seen here over the years from the bullpen, this feels as reliable as it's been in a long time, if not ever. And that's a great position to be in. And as you see, when your starter does what he's supposed to do the way this team has been built, then you can use the relievers the way you want to. And that allows you to win games like this. Uh, it all starts with the starters. When they're only going four or five, it puts added strain on the bullpen and you can't use them like that seven, eight, nine and use that formula. So let's see, uh, you know, moving forward, can they get consistently now six innings from their starters? Because it, it just opens the book for so much else that they want to do. So offensively for the Nats, it was not a good game. Look, it was a cold, windy day, like we said. You were facing a flamethrower, too, in the Cardinals starter, Carlos Martinez. Nats win this game despite totaling just four hits and two walks, going 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. Davey goes with a lineup similar to what he had on Tuesday night, the first game without Juan Soto with him on the 10-day IL. And the offensive star of the game... Who was it, Al? Who was it? Yeah, Alex Avila, a.k.a. Johnny Bench, who has two doubles on Wednesday, including the lone RBI hit of the ball game, two out first pitch, ribby double, bottom of the second, and then a leadoff double in the bottom of the fifth inning. I mean, look, I still don't like that Davey has just completely buried Victor Robles, and Robles is behind Avila in the lineup again. I just, that to me drives me crazy, but Avila, for at least one game, did quite well. A couple of extra base hits, and you know, the Nats are not hitting for power so far. This is something that I think is kind of a little troubling here. They're not hitting homers. They're not getting much in the way of the extra base hit. So at this point, anyone who can provide that is of help. And Avila certainly did that on Wednesday. So I got to give him credit. He came through a guy who's not playing a lot. I think this was only his third game played. Gomes had started four straight days behind the plate. But Avila's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. And as Max Scherzer pointed out, because he, he played with him a lot in Detroit, he likes that power to the opposite field. And you saw that on the uh, the RBI double in the second. It was 106 miles an hour off the bat. So that wasn't just like stick the bat out and poke it the other way. He drilled, he, he drove that ball 
to left center field and scored Josh Bell all the way from first base. That was quite a trip around the bases with those two guys. And then doubled again in the fifth. And the other thing I really liked from Avila in this game, the early strike him out, throw him out double play right on the money. And Avila and Gomes combined now have thrown out three out of five base stealers. And that is a huge improvement from where it was last year and the year before when it was the Suzuki and Gomes combo. Avila knows Max well. They work well together. I think you're going to see those two paired up. If not every time, it's going to be a lot of them. And, uh, you know, so far so good with the catching situation. I, I don't really have a lot of complaints about it, especially the fact that they were missing both of them for the first series of the season. Uh, right now where they're at, I, I think they like the way this is shaping up. Yeah, there were two things to really like about Avila in terms of the Nats getting him as their backup catcher for this season. The first was his experience catching so many of the Nats' current starters, whether it's Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, John Lester. But the other thing is Avila's been really good over the last two years when it comes to throwing out runners trying to steal. Avila over the 2019 and 2020 seasons, 14 of 32 on runners trying to steal. I mean, nearly 50%. That's really good. Like, not a lot of guys can say that. And that was a perfect throw that he made on that strike him out, throw him out, double play to get Justin Williams in that attempted steal. Runner goes, the pitch, swing and a miss. Throw by Avila's a good one, and he is out at second base. Avila's first chance of the year, and he guns down Williams. I don't know that you could draw a throw better than that. That was a laser that Avila fired to Josh Harrison at second base. Right on the money, good tag, good throw. Everything about it was good. You know, the pitchers have been working on their timing because they're, they've been as responsible as the catchers for all the stolen bases over the last few years. So they've made it a point of emphasis, but they've now got two catchers who can throw the ball. And that wasn't always the case. And it makes a difference. The little things like that make a difference. I mean, early in the game, you don't know it's going to end up a one nothing game. But if he doesn't do that, it turned out that Carlos Martinez doubled right afterwards. And who knows what would have happened? You know, that might have scored a run for the for the Cardinals. And who knows what happens the rest of the game? So, I mean, those things are huge. And it is a significant improvement here in the early going this year. Hey everyone, Tim Showers here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD. You know, we're getting to the point where prioritizing mental health is becoming less stigmatized. People are finally starting to talk about strategies to stay centered and calm in their everyday life. That's why I'm really excited to tell you about Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that taste absolutely delicious and are easy to take on the go. Sunday Scary CBD gummies help you live life scare-free by promoting a sense of calm, quieting your mind, and just helping you to chill out and relax. In fact, Sunday Scary CBD gummies and CBD oil have won glowing coverage in publications like Men's Health, Forbes, Allure, and Best Products. Today you can get 25% off your first order with the code NATSCHAT at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com. Enter code NATSCHAT where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Ready to chill out and get some much-needed peace of mind? Head to sundayscaries.com right now to get 25% off some sweet, sweet CBD gummies. So I mentioned the lack of power so far from the Nationals. Uh, Josh Bell on Wednesday, one for three, full count leadoff single, and that one run second. Uh, actually did a nice piece of hitting in that plate appearance. It was an eight-pitch plate appearance. He was down one, two. So a good job by him. But Josh Bell is slugging just 323 over his first 36 plate appearances here. Kyle Schwarber is really struggling. 0 for 3 with a couple of strikeouts on Wednesday. He is batting 200 with a 238 on base so far 
in his season, over 42 plate appearances. Starling Castro actually has a pretty decent batting average, but he's not hitting for much power so far. He goes 0 for 3 on Wednesday. We know, I mean, especially Bell and Schwarber are capable of hitting for power. And obviously you are without Juan Soto right now. And Trey Turner is off to a very good start. But to the specific thing of hitting for power, hitting homers, hitting doubles, does this Nats lineup strike you as one that ultimately can do that? Or do you think that this is going to be a Nats team that has to win via small ball for much of this season? I think they believe that it can and should be a lot better than it we've seen so far. Certainly, if, if you ultimately have, let's say it's your two through five of Turner, Soto, Bell, and Schwarber, those are four guys capable of hitting 30 homers apiece. And there aren't a whole lot of teams that can say they have that. Now, it doesn't mean that they all will, but I think that's what they're envisioning. The issue is that beyond those four, there's not a lot else in the lineup uh, that can produce it. Robles has some power. We just have not seen it. Uh, at this point, Castro, you know, has some power, but he, he really looks more like a singles and doubles hitter at this point, which is fine. I think he can be effective being that guy, especially when he's batting sixth. Gomes is going to hit the occasional homer, not a whole lot. Harrison is, again, singles, doubles guy. So it really boils down to those four big names. And then Ryan Zimmerman, when he's playing for Bell, and we barely saw Zim in the series at all. I was a little surprised by that. So I don't think they're going to be among the league leaders in home runs. No, I don't. I think they can be league average, and you hope that the big four can produce, but there are going to be plenty of nights where they do have to scratch and claw for runs, and they're going to have to do it in other ways. They're going to have to be good at base running. They're going to have to be good at contact. They have to be good at getting a runner home from third with less than two outs. Absolutely, those are the ways they're going to have to score runs because I don't think this is a lineup that we're going to consistently say can win games seven to six on a regular basis. Yeah, you mentioned Robles. He's got one of the otter slash lines so far for the Nationals, a 350 on base, but a 245 slugging. The on base, not just higher than the slugging, but higher by more than 100 points. It's not often you see something like that. I did want to mention to Andrew Stevenson. So Stevenson actually did not end up having a great game, nor necessarily like a great series in this series. But he goes 0 for 4 with a strikeout on Wednesday. But he reaches base to begin the bottom of the third via a fielding error by the St. Louis shortstop Paul DeYoung. And this, to me, is an instance of, yeah, it's an error. But I really do feel like Stevenson's speed caused the error. So first of all, Stevenson does a good job in the plate appearance of putting the ball in play. as a full count pitch. He was down in the count at 1.12. But if, if you watch the replay, DeYoung is charging in. It looks like he takes his eyes off the ball to monitor Stevenson because of his speed. And the ball goes under DeYoung's glove. So yes, it's an error on Paul DeYoung, but I almost feel like that's an error that Andrew Stevenson caused. And there aren't a lot of guys who cause that, right, with their speed to where the defender is having to keep a close tally on where the runner is. So I feel like that's kind of a sneaky thing that an Andrew Stevenson type brings to the table. Yeah, I saw that play the exact same way. He looked like he did pick his head up before he had the ball. And, and that probably because he could see Stevenson was moving down the line so quickly. He's not Trey Turner in terms of raw speed but he runs as hard as anybody in the league and never takes a playoff. He is the classic hustle guy, which is, I guess, what you've sort of envisioned for a fourth outfielder and pinch guy. He works the count, always doesn't give away at bats. I think he's a really solid fourth outfielder in the long run for them who can do a lot of things. And we've seen him be very good as a pinch hitter. You know, he's in a tough spot now. All of a sudden, you're the leadoff hitter with Soto out. But just the fact of how hard he plays and how hard he runs Every single time, yes, it puts pressure on the defense. And what we were just talking about with a lineup like this, especially when Soto is out, you need some stuff like that. You need to put pressure on the defense. And Stevenson's a, a, you know one of the best at it. If Schwarber continues to struggle 
and Soto is back sooner rather than later. Could you see Davey going with Andrew Stevenson as, if not the everyday left fielder, you know, almost like a 50-50 split with Schwarber? Or do you think the leash on Schwarber is very long? I think the leash is very long there. They acquired him to be their everyday left fielder so much so that they're starting him against lefties. I mean, it's it's legitimately every day that he's going to play. Davey knows him from his Chicago days. He believes in him. He always has. If Stevenson was right-handed, I would say maybe you get to a point that there's a a clear platoon there where maybe he does start to get more playing time. But because he's another left-handed hitter, unless Schwarber just tanks, and looks awful. I don't see that happening. I think the leash is going to be very long for him. And and they kind of need it to be because, you know, I just talked about all the positive qualities that Stevenson has. I do feel like he is a guy that if he plays every day in the long run, he gets exposed a bit. And I think his best value to them is as someone who plays a couple times a week, who comes off the bench, is a good table setter when you need a pinch hitter to lead off an inning, that kind of thing. So I don't think it's in this team's best interests, ultimately, to have Andrew Stevenson as your starting left fielder. They need Kyle Schwarber to be good enough to actually play every day. So the Nats get a much-needed off day on Thursday. It's actually the first of many off days that are coming up here. And then comes a five-game road trip that begins on Friday night. Game one of a three-game series at the Mets. After that series, the Nats are off to Dunedin, Florida. That's where the Toronto Blue Jays are playing their home games, at least for now. Nats will have an off day Monday, then a two-game series against Toronto. And again, uh, lovely Dunedin uh, next week. But with this series with the Mets, uh, obviously it was supposed to be Nats-Mets to begin this season. It's a series that, you know, very well could end up being significant in terms of Nats-Mets this season being two of the premier teams in the division. We'll see. The Probables, uh, Eric Fetty versus Jacob deGrom Friday, Joe Ross, Marcus Stroman on Saturday, and then Patrick Corbin, Taiwan Walker on Sunday. So obviously no Max Scherzer in this series. You're starting off with Fetty, and he's facing maybe the best pitcher on the planet on Friday. That could be an interesting matchup, but we have seen Eric look good. So hopefully that's the Fetty who shows up on Friday. Nats are going to need that. He's looked good. And you know, there's a little bit of mojo, bad mojo for the Mets when DeGrom pitches. They don't score him any runs. No. So maybe this will be another one of those. And it ends up another one of these one nothing two one kind of games. Who knows? Yeah. In a perfect world, you'd have Max uh, pitching against the Mets this weekend, but they're not, they don't have the luxury right now to be able to do that. I do think it's interesting though, They're kind of going with a four-man rotation like we speculated because not on that list of probable starters for the weekend is Paolo Espino, whose turn should come up. And he's still on the roster as we tape this. I think that could change. They may decide to bring up another reliever or somebody else over the weekend. In theory, he was available out of the bullpen for this series finale against the Cardinals. Obviously, they didn't need him. But because of the off days, they can go with the four-man rotation. Scherzer could then start. Tuesday in Dunedin against the Blue Jays, and they can really go for a while with it. But I I do wonder, John Lester is going to make another simulated game start on Sunday in Fredericksburg. They want him to go five innings and even up to 90 pitches. That would seem like the final step for him. So if that goes well and everything else seems to go according to plan, I think we could see Lester by next weekend when they come back home to face the Marlins. And now you do have a five-man rotation with essentially everyone but Strasburg, and that would be Fetty essentially taking over Strasburg's spot. And the good news with Strasburg, he's actually playing catch. And I didn't necessarily think that was going to be the case. He's throwing on flat ground from 75 feet. He's still got a lot of steps to take. But if we were worried this was a complete shutdown, it does not appear to be that way. That's a good sign. Wow. So I, I thought, though, we might see Lester against the Blue Jays. But you're saying you don't think so. You think it would be the following weekend? Well, they said he is going to start Sunday in Fredericksburg. And so he would need the full five days after that. So, yeah, I think they want to wait a little bit longer. 
if they were really struggling, if Corbin had a terrible outing, you know, the other night, and maybe they said, boy, we really need to get Lester back up here, they would have done it. But I think they have the luxury because Corbin pitched well, because Fetty has pitched well, because of the off days that they can say, okay, go do one more tune up, make sure you're fully built up so that when he does come to debut, he can approach 100 pitches in a big league game. So that's the sense I get for it. As we've seen, things can change very quickly around here, but give him one more in Fredericksburg on Sunday, and then that would line up for next weekend against the Marlins. They are giving Lester a lot of time to get ready for the season here. So, But you know what? If they can get by with that, more power to them. I mean, it's not like Lester's been lights out the last few years. We'll see. But uh, big weekend series upcoming for the Nationals. And to be 7-9, and nine, especially off a 1-5 and five start, too, they've done a nice job here. I think they do deserve credit and hopefully keep it going coming up with this five-game road trip. You can always let us know what you think. We enjoy hearing from you guys. Continue to let us know what you think at Nats underscore chat on Twitter. You can email the podcast to Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. If you want to get on board the runaway train, that is the Nats chat podcast phenomenon, email the mastermind of all this, Tim Shovers, become a sponsor of the Nats chat podcast. Again, Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats chat are courtesy of 1067 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats chat podcast. And for the stretch, all of the time, kicks and delivers, and a breaking ball hit in the air to right field. Stevenson to his left toward the line, now back, and makes the catch just before crossing onto the warning track. The wind got a hold of that one, and it took off, but Stevenson runs it down, and bang, Zuma, Curly W's in the books. Aloha, my name is Mr. Hatch. 